Blog Talk Radio. Thank <laughs> you. 
And welcome to the Gridiron Blitz. We're right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Your host, Oscar Lopez. Game time by Trox. You can get it on iTunes. Pretty motivational. Alongside Troy Wilson and the welcome back to Inkishi Free. Uh, big weekend in college football. The rankings are out. Some unhappy people. Others okay with it. I know Erica, Erica Lynn Anderson wasn't really thrilled with it. Um, so we're going to talk about that, college football in general, big big games overseas uh, in Gridiron, Queensland, as well in overseas. We've got to just give a shout-out to the Berno Amazons who took uh, who upset the uh, Prague uh, Black Cats in the Czechos, uh, Czech Republic uh, Rose Bowl II championship, their annual second annual Rose Bowl II. Uh, Prague had won the competition last year beating them as well. And this year they turn around and 4-0 undefeated where the Black Cats coming into it. Bernos are 2-2. Two two. They, they are able to muster a big win. So congratulations to the Berno girls. You can go to our Instagram, check out uh, quarterback Karna um, Kakna. Um, she's displayed on there as well. And we're going to talk NFL playoffs, NFL power rankings this, this week. Um, and the Cowboys on top with Dak Prescott. So, uh, Inkishi, Troy, welcome. Uh, Inkishi, welcome back uh, to the Gridiron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. So, um, let's start with you, Inkishi. You got to be like totally excited. Six and two. Uh, I mean, this this young quarterback is playing amazing. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's on my fantasy team all season long. I mean, this guy just does nothing but good things. I had um, Des Bryant last week, which I picked up. So, uh, obviously, very good for me. Um, but, uh, you know, welcome back. Tell us exactly how you're feeling as a Cowboy Nation is just probably ecstatic. I think the cat's got her tongue. I think she's just a little bit too. No, she, the cat doesn't have her tongue. The cat does not have my tongue. Oh, the cat does not have my tongue. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, there was a technical error called. You all were putting me on mute because you know my excitement was just way too high in the volume and the that energy. Was that, that was bring. delivered. That was delivered, by the way. I'm not saying that was delivered, by the way. Energy that I bring. First of all, can I just say I have missed you guys so much. You guys have been doing an amazing job. Well, I was gone, and I have missed you all something terrible. Um, mommy duty is 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 been holding it down. Um, for those who don't know, my children um, were in a play, so between rehearsals and production time, and then my son has also been playing football, and they had their conference championship this past Sunday. So. Um, you know, just between everyone's schedules, it's way too difficult trying to get in. But I have missed you guys so much. Oh, we missed you too, by the way. Um, and the Cowboys, I mean, this is what we're talking about. Cowboys 6-2. and two. The Romo, Romo-less are, Cowboys. We are number that. two. Please, let's not go there. Thank you. Thank you. Let's not address the controversy. No, um, in all honesty, I was looking at the um, – I was looking at the poll today, and right now uh, we're number two behind the New England Patriots. Yeah, I mean, that, that's so. what I'm saying. This is story of the year right there. This is this has got besides Oakland, uh, which we yeah. talked about at the beginning of the year, besides Oakland, Carr, Cooper, 
and Crabtree, uh, this is probably the next best story because, you know, out west with the Rams, yeah. I mean, come on. That was supposed to be like the story of the year, you know, golf and no golf there. So uh, right. this right here is, is, you know, is basically the revitalization of the Cowboys. And even Jerry Jones said, we're not going to change anything here. Uh, you know, we're not going to just bring Romo back because he's healthy. And I think that's the right well, call. Just, he, you know, ride with the it quarterback. Is, and he cha- it is. And he changed midstream because, you know, literally two weeks ago he was singing a different song. Um, but I think, you know, right before I went on um, my brief hiatus, I said, well, I'm always going to say my Cowboys are the team to watch. But I also said that my other sleeper team was um, the Oakland Raiders. That that was yeah, that, was, one of, that. that was my – that was my other sleeper team, and I'm so happy to see that I was correct uh, with that. It's It's been an exciting ride as a Cowboys fan, um, but I have to tell you honestly, I'm totally blown by what Carson Wentz is doing up in Philly. In all honesty, that young kid is amazing, and I am so excited and looking forward to watching this rivalry grow over the next couple of years, you know, between these two. Because if they stay healthy in with their respective teams, and I don't think this is too far of a stretch to say that Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott could be the next Tom Brady and Eli Manning, I mean, and Peyton Manning in terms of quarterback rivalry. And I don't think that's an unfair stretch, do you? No, I think the East is the strongest. We talked about it um, being the NFC East, even the Giants a little bit in the mix here. But, but for the most part, I think Philadelphia, we called it. Uh, we, we've said that, you know, Washington was going to be in the mix as well. Um, and, you know, the, obviously the Cowboys have outperformed everybody else's expectations, I think, right now. It's like they, they, have, they have what it takes right now. They have a young nucleus. I mean, this kind of reminds you of Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman. You know what I mean? It's kind of in that aspect of it. It does remind you of that. And that's what everybody wants to say. I'm too scared to make that statement. I'm, I don't want to put that level of pressure on them yet. And the reason why is because I don't think that they have found their Michael Irving. I think that Zach and um, Zeke have a great rhythm because they came in together. Um, also, because Witten is Romo's go-to guy. Dez was developing that relationship. And believe it or not, he's not Dak's guy. It's um, Cole Beasley. But I think that Cole Beasley doesn't have the stretch of the field the way um, Michael had and therefore, I don't think he's going to be as explosive as a wide receiver. So I don't want to put that on them just yet. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, so what what I'm seeing out there is the the one thing that uh, you know I, I hear a lot of praise about Dak Prescott. It, listen, he's he's impressive. He is. He he can scramble. Um, you know, and he you makes plays him. when he needs to. And uh, when and he, when he makes, you called him. He, he makes plays when he when he needs to, but but the one thing that no one is really talking about is the reason why that they're winning is their offensive line. 
I mean, they are mm-hmm. about as solid across the board as you'll see in the NFL. And you have some people that are comparing them to the 1990s teams. Now, in my opinion, they are not that 1990s team. They had a guy mm-hmm. on their team called Larry Allen. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you guys know who he is, but that is probably the biggest human being I've ever seen. I mean, he's, <laughs> he was probably the strongest player in the NFL for several years going. And it's, it's, it's not a coincidence that this guy was in the Hall of Fame. They don't have a guy like that. Right. But across yeah. the board, they are extremely solid. And, you know, while Dak has made plays and without a doubt, um, you know, he, he's, a, he's a good player, I don't see him transcending right now into one of the upper echelon quarterbacks. Right now he is riding the, riding the wave of that, that very good defense, who, by the way, played extremely well last year, and no one was even talking about them either. But everyone, you yeah. know, with all the suspensions that they had, I myself didn't think that Dallas would play that well in defense, and they haven't exceeded all the expectations. So for me, I would think that the praise should go to the offensive line, which is the reason why Ezekiel Elliott is playing very well, and that defense who is holding teams, and they are making plays all over the field with a lot of team speed overall. No, I agree. Yeah. I think that's the key right there. It's like they're not a lot – it's a balanced – uh, it's a balanced team. I think that's the difference there. It's a balance. They're not asking him to win the game. They're asking him just to do his part on offense. And I think that's the the chemistry right now, and that's the the product. The defense is holding and obviously giving him the opportunity, and he's making minimal mistakes. I mean, he's he's uh, based on you know some of the things he's done so far in this season. Uh, very impressive. Uh, you said Wentz over there in Philadelphia. The same concept. I think the difference is. And Philly is that it's it's a brand new coach, brand new team, all that stuff. Also, where in in uh, in Dallas you have an existing coach, you know what I mean. So there's big differences right. there in terms of stability. Where he has, you know, he has uh, I, what what I would say key people around him that understand the game. Not that the Philly doesn't, but it's it's like year one for both quarterback and and uh, coach in Philly. So you know, for them doing this well, I mean, you have to applaud them too. You know what I mean? That that's that's the key right there. They've done so well so far. Um, and he's done well, too. And Matthews, between Wentz and Matthews, the combination there, they've done pretty well to put the, the Eagles in contention, which I don't think anybody would have thought, you know, at this point that no. even at a 4-3 and three, that you would be talking about, you know, uh, the Eagles in, the, in that aspect. Agreed. Yeah. Well, nobody had much expectations about them, especially – I mean, you know, when they were going and then they were like, oh, and then they traded a quarterback to Minnesota and they were like, what are we going to do with this kid? And he just said, you don't have to do anything. I'm just going to play. So you're, you're absolutely yeah, I mean, right. I, I, I like the way that – and it's the same thing that goes for Carson Wentz as it does for Dak, Dak Prescott. I think one of the things that they do very well, even as rookies, is that they limit their mistakes. Their mistakes are very minuscule, so I mean they don't they don't typically turn the ball over, and so and you see like the more they play, the more they get to see on the field, the more confident that they're getting, and so when you have that, you, you're limiting mistakes, you're getting all the accolades, and but I think it's more so is when you look at the film and the coach is breaking it down, he gets to teach a little bit more because he doesn't have to really harp on limited mistakes because this, it looks like that's what they're already doing. So to watch them progress, you know, throughout the year. And, you know, a lot of people are making a big deal. Oh, they're not throwing the ball deep. Okay, so what? It's, it, this isn't just right. about the deep ball. This is about 
and this is not, you know, even though this is a passing league, this league really sustains itself on short passing and to have their athletes, you know, like Des Bryant, you know, uh, make the run after the catch. And that's what they're allowing their players to do. So I think that's why also both of those quarterbacks are being very successful. And, and Keisha, you bought him Cole Beasley, another Man. underrated guy. And who is he's developing into a great slot receiver, a la he really Wes Welker. Is. We always got to go back to Wes Welker because he's the guy who seems like almost yeah. invented the position. So, but he is just like that, and he's extremely quick out of his breaks. This guy's big time developing when nobody thought, you know, maybe four or five years ago that he even beat, he would even beat. Well, he was part. another, but you know what? The Cole Beasley was another one of those walk-ons like Tony Romo. You know, he was another undrafted free agent. But the thing about right. it, and you and you mentioned something really important, Troy, that a lot of people are really um, underrating is how important it is to get those yards after the catch. And the reason why is because most people are looking for the Odell Beckhams and the Des Bryants and even the Deshaun Jacksons where they've already beaten you down the field, so all the quarterback has to do is just get it to them. And, you know, yeah. they're, they're beating you before they get the ball. The difference with a Cole Beasley um, and a Wes Welker is they beat you after they get the ball because they're shorter, they're smaller guys, and they have that speed and that quickness and that elusiveness. And they also do something that some of the um, other more explosive wide receivers don't do. They hold on to the ball better. So at the end of the day, I'd rather have 10-yard passes than trying to keep doing three 30-yard passes because it's more important to get down the field than it is to worry about the interceptions or worry about the drop passes at critical moments. Yeah, I think the key here is the offensive lines are are keeping them upright, and that's a big, big deal. You know, when you've got a good, solid offensive lines that are actually keeping these guys upright, and let's move to the next segue. Uh, Cam Newton has wow. decided to criticize the NFL and the officials, which I think he has a valid point. Uh, but a lot of people are going the other route, right? Where, okay, now you're losing and now you're whining. So, you know what I mean? Some people started to go that route with, with him because of, you know, the Super Bowl loss and he was kind of a, you know, whining about that. All of a sudden now his team isn't as great as, as it was last year. And so, but I think the valid point here is, is the offensive line, you know, to at, at fault for this, you know, to allow the containment to come over? Because I think his line is failing him in that aspect of it because they're not, when you see the pressure coming, it, it, they're closing in on him too fast. I mean, the, this past week, him getting tackled and almost awkwardly getting his knee jacked up uh, really was the last straw for him. I think that, that's why he was frustrated on the podium. Well, well I mean, about his what... frustration. I mean, those are his knees, you know. And, and, and I think that his coach, Ron Rivera, said it the best. Stop looking at the fact that he's 6'5 and weighs 240 pounds. He's still a quarterback, and whether he's in the pocket or he's just coming out of the pocket, it's not just – and I know everybody says, oh, well, once he becomes a runner, blah, 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 oh, he deserves, you know, to get hit, or, you know, well, he doesn't deserve the protection. Fair. He's going to get hit. But my issue and one of the issues that he made is not just that I'm getting hit even when I'm coming out of the pocket. It's the helmet-to-helmet hit. You know, it's the late hits on him after he's already down. Those calls are not being made. 
And I think that that is an extremely valid point. If the whole point is you're trying to limit helmet to helmet, whether he's in the pocket or out of the pocket, helmet to helmet is helmet to helmet. Well, I mean, no, I agree with that. There's, I'm, there's a, yeah. There's another part to this where, and you brought up the offensive line, and so there is some some blame to be had on the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, we just finished talking about how the league is as far as, like, short passing and things like that. I, I, I don't right. have the numbers right in front of me, but just watching them play, they take more five- and seven-step drops than I've seen anybody do. So, on yep. one hand, you know, there's a reason why Tom Brady doesn't get hit a lot, okay? Because Tom Brady usually gets the ball out two to three seconds. And the Panthers, yep. when they drop back to pass, they usually do a play-action pass, which, which constitutes either a five- or seven-step drop. And then you also have to add into the fact is that they use Cam Newton pretty much as their goal line running back. I mean, that's what he does. Exactly. And so that's what I'm get, saying right there. That, gonna take that's your point. And they're going to, yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to start to accumulate. And then there is, but there is that part where you, you look back and you say to yourself, okay, so right now Tom Brady has played three games. And he already has, um, he's already drawn four uh, you know, roughing the quarterback uh, calls. And Cam Newton has played, um, they play seven games also, and he's drawn none. And I've seen Cam Newton just take shot after shot after shot after shot. And I'm just amazed that he hasn't got one call, not one. I, I, it was it's unbelievable. I just, you know, I'm, I'm looking. Well, he did draw the one in the, in the Denver um, in the first game. They, he did draw one on that one. But other than that, he no, has but, drawn one all season. Should, should we blame the refs here? Uh, I, I mean, they're, they're not doing their job. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the tape, the tape is very clear. You know what I mean? Even from the beginning of the last couple of games before this, the tape's very clear. It's just a matter of why aren't they calling it? That's really what it boils down to. I mean, and you, sh- you talk about Josh Norman. Remember Josh Norman this weekend talked about uh, some of the calls are not being called also, and he was calling flag. out some of the players as well. And so now we're look, we're looking at the uh, at the fact here that it, this is sort of an issue. Uh, Bland, uh, Blandino trying to explain some of the justification for certain things. I mean, that's fine and all there that, isn't. but the the reality is the health factor here is. Um, I think he has a point. He has a point to your point about Brady and everybody else. He does have a point because even if his line is failing, uh, if the pass was thrown. And he got he got hit after the pass. That still should have been called. That's how it's. That's what the rule is. You know, if the if if, if the defender gets to the quarterback, even even if he in the motion of throwing, he throws it and he gets to the quarterback of that aspect of it. Normally, that should be called, especially if he's tackled down to the ground. I mean, if he's pushed off where there's no no nothing against the head or the upper shoulder area or even the lower knees and stuff like that. If he just pushed off. I mean, that's totally different. But when you get to the stage where he's getting hit deliberately up up on top, and then he's obviously getting nailed on the ground, I think his I think his valid point is this. It's no different than Ben Roethlisberger getting nailed, you know, or getting hit. There's no different than anything. The problem is, I think he's addressing the fact that he's trying to avoid somebody. Uh, he's trying to avoid the injury fact now, uh, where a lot of people don't see that. The, the way I see it as a football guy is his line is failing him, number one. Because right. with, with to your point, Troy, he's taking more than three steps. That's going to be more time needed. They're getting uh, apparently they're getting overpowered. 
And if you can, if you see the videos and the, the gameplay, they're getting overpowered. So they're getting crushed on the corners, and all of a sudden he's getting nailed for it. So he's taking the blow for the guys up front that are not doing their job. And that's really what it boils down to. But since they're not doing their job, the refs are not doing their job uh, on the late hits and obviously in the infractions. Well, well and there, another there's, there's, perfect example of that is also looking at the Alex Smith situation. I mean, he took two hits and, you know, had to leave the game twice. And, and, and they're not – only are they not calling it, you know, but, but, they're, but they're not being consistent. I think that that's part of the biggest issue is the lack of consistency. Then you turn around and you have the game with the Oakland Raiders, and I think they oh, said that geez. was one of the most penalized games in the history of the NFL. Josh Norman – over in England was like you're throwing a flag every other second. Your arm got more workout than our quarterbacks throwing the flags. There was some. I, I would have to blame that the, the referees, the referees were English referees, so maybe they didn't understand the game as well as a normal no, NFL no. referee. I, I, I don't, I don't. Were they? I thought they they flew them over from the states. These are NFL referees that came over there. I mean, I'm, so I'm kidding, Troy. Know. I'm kidding, Troy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, Troy. They don't understand the game. They're, they're English. They're, they're English refs. They're English refs. You know what I mean? They don't understand the game. Oh my gosh. No, I'm just saying that's, that's how ridiculous it. That's how ridiculous it seems. Yeah, I mean, and I watched. I watched that Redskins game, obviously, and I watched. I watched most of that Oakland Raiders game, and I'm looking at it, and I'm saying to myself, "You gotta be kidding!" Like I, I just, I really, this is. Other than the strike season, uh, when the refer when the uh, referees went on strike, this is the absolute worst officiating I've seen in the longest period. I, I cannot remember seeing this atrociousness on the field or from the referee standpoint. There is no rhyme or reason for why they are calling the plays that they are. And then you know they, you know for one thing, they let certain players get away with certain things. Okay, so then that that goes into the to the narrative of you're playing favoritism. And then to back when we were saying about Cam Newton, to recircle around that one, I honestly believe that they just don't like that dude. I really I think do. There's I, mean, some, I think there's some truth to it because I pulled up yeah. some stats. Now, this is from 2000. Now, this is from a 2015 article from uh, Terry Blunt from ESPN staff writer, and this is June of last year in 2015. So I know the numbers have increased. But the top four um, – quarterbacks who've been um, sacked or hit the most, Newton at 587, Russell Wilson, 317, Alex Smith, who I also mentioned, 295, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. But guess what? None of these four quarterbacks are, with the exception of maybe Russell Wilson. None of them are considered top-tier quarterbacks. Nobody has any respect for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Alex Smith was considered a number one bust. Russell Wilson was a third-string quarterback who who came out of nowhere, in all honesty. And then Cam Newton, who went number one. But you're right, they did not like him. And one of the statements was the whole thing, again, about his size. Oh, well, it doesn't look like you're hitting that hard. You don't get to determine how hard that man's been hit. You have Your job is not to determine whether it hurt him or not. Your job is to determine whether or not it was a foul. Your job. I think it's pretty clear not... the zebras. The zebras don't like Cam Newton. I mean, that's literally pretty clear they right now. They, they don't. don't. <laughs> that's that's really, what it boils down to. It has to. And I think honestly, I think league wide, I th- I just think 
and this is starting to become from the fans. I mean, initially, listen, down in Carolina, there was a lot of racist comments. If you look on the Carolina Panthers fan page, there are a lot of racist comments that come out, okay? Not and for my been, sanity. I'm not reading but, it. <laughs> but then there have been, you know, obviously Cam Newton supporters, especially after last season. But I'm going to tell you right now, ever since he did that Super Bowl press conference, if if you had, what, what do they call those polls for the, your favoritism, you know, like what they do for the presidents? If, if they took yeah, yeah. a poll oh, right a gal- now, a gal- as far as, you're talking about a gallup poll. Yeah, there poll? you go. If, if they if they took a poll right now to see how many people look at Cam Newton favorably, it would be at an all time low. I just think what he is, what he did was he absolutely put a target on his back, and people really started to dislike him after what he did with the Super Bowl comments. And I think him having that conversation, he had to go meet with the commissioner this week. I think it was today, as a matter of fact, as far as with the hits. And I'm really, I'm really believing that there is just this thing against him because people just flat out don't like the guy. He's just not likable right now, and I think that's why he's not. Getting I think the, right, well, exactly. I think that's what it is. Like, you didn't like him when he was losing because he's a powder. You don't like him when he's winning because he's a showboat. At what point do you get to just leave him alone and let him play football? He, he, but I, I don't know. He needs to go to the CFL. Does he have to go to the CFL? To get protection? Uh, yeah, pro- I mean, probably so. But, I mean, even then, I mean, <laughs> the bottom line is with this guy, I just think, and, 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 and you brought up a good point, even when he's winning, he's obnoxious. When he's losing, he's even more obnoxious. So, I mean, he's just, he is not a fan favorite right now, pretty much by any stretch. And I think, honestly, that's why a lot of people are really not making as big a stake about it as they could. Well, yeah, I'll tell yeah, you, now, I, he didn't come it, It's wrong this either way because – it is an yeah, issue I mean, that it, it it doesn't matter if it's him. Um, look at look at Smith. Okay, the protocol right. for Smith. If he was in concussion, he should have just been put out, put the backup in for a remainder of the game, and let him go. So so there's issues here because we are uh, we are at a level right now in this season and the last season before that. We're at a level right now that we are losing your superstar power quarterback. You know what I mean? There's no real stability here, and he's one of the higher end quarterbacks in terms of when you see. Every other quarterback, every other superstar quarterback going away. Manning's gone. Brady will be gone soon here. Um, so at th- at this point, the next wave oh, not of superstar anywhere. quarterback. Brady, no, no, Brady you know what I mean. But what I'm saying is, well, what I'm saying is, he's, he's at that level, right? But he's at that level where he's going to replace somebody of a higher caliber quarterback. That's what I'm trying to say. So if we don't, pro- okay. if he doesn't get protected now, his career is going to be shortened. And for us as fans, that's kind of the, you know it's kind of a bad move on this league part. First, you're preaching protection for the quarterback. Now you got the zebras not really protecting or picking and choosing what quarterback. And let's not so forget the fact this is your NF, this is your MVP. See, that's the other factor. There is no other MVP in the history of I any other about, I league. I just you thought he was whining. Right. You know, you didn't, see, you're so funny. Yeah, but you got to factor in. This is your your league MVP. So if you're saying he's your most valuable person, why is he the most hit person? You know, and, and with the other thing with Alex Smith, I know why he tried to stay in the game. Look what happened the last time he came out for concussions. He got replaced by Colin Kaepernick. So I know that Alex Smith going back in the game had something to do with him being involved with that decision. Because, you know, he's already been replaced once. That's why, you know, he's with the Chiefs now, not, you know, out in San Fran. 
But the yeah. same token, he's still number three on the list of most hit quarterbacks since 2011. And we're not talking about a Drew Brees. We're not talking about a Peyton and Eli. We're not talking about a Tom Brady. We're talking about guys who, for the most part, are considered third and second tier quarterbacks. No way. No way not would I put Alex Smith. I would not put Alex Smith. Russell Wilson or Cam Newton as the second or third tier quarterback. I think the reason why they're getting hit. I, I think I think the reason why they're getting hit is because they are also the most mobile quarterbacks in the league. So they get a chance to run with their legs. And so yeah, they're going right. to get hit. I agree with that. Okay, than all okay that's true. Now we have to look at. Okay, so let's look at let's say a John Elway, and uh, um and I think the other yeah, one I mentioned still- was um still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm Can here. you guys? Okay. Well, look at John Elway. Look at Steve, my, um, you know, not Joe Montana, but um, still there, Troy um, Kishi. Yep, we're still here. And we got dropped off here. Let me see if we got dropped off. Turn back up. Oscar. Hey, Oscar, can you hear us? All right, you guys back? Yeah, we're here. Yep. All right, looks like we dropped off on Kishi. Here we go. We're coming back up here. Let's see if we get him up. Probably a uh, satellite delay. Troy, is that you? Yep, I'm here. All right. Yeah, All right. Can you guys hear me? Off on the, yeah, we got dropped off on the link, so I don't know if uh, the satellite gave out on us. That's what happened here. No, so, apologize we, we, to everybody. we can hear you. Um, we, we yeah, can we can hear you. Hear you. Okay. Yeah, no, no, wor- no worries. Like with a with a with a John Elway, there's a difference between being part of being a mobile quarterback is somehow the ability to extend plays, and I think that that has something to do with it too. John Elway could extend the play with his legs, but he was still throwing the ball. Michael Vick, Russell Wilson, RG three before they broke him. You know, and Cam Newton, they are not just mobile quarterbacks. They become running backs. And that was a great point that Troy made up earlier was the fact that the Panthers have not invested in a running back because they're just taking advantage of the fact that they have Cam. And that's exacerbating the problem. I think it's really the offensive coordinator that we have to deal with here because offensively the line is failing him, number one. And number two, the play calling is probably not very great. So there's some faults there on the team itself. Uh, and then, obviously, we blame the, the Zebras. Um, Troy and Kishi, the domestic violence uh, in, in, with New York, the off-field domestic violence, continues to haunt this league. I mean, it's just, it's just an issue that isn't, you know, full front every week or every month. But it, overall, it becomes an issue. So letting go of the kicker is a pretty good statement, but it doesn't fix the problem, Right. No, I think the problem it comes into when you when you have these double standards. Um, there, there is no secret that um, you know initially you know Josh Brown still had his job, and then you know then they started then more information started to come out, and then they decided the Giants decided they were going to cut him, and then now it's this narrative going through the NFL that they're not going to bring him back. But I think it was more so because you have current players and former players who were very upset at the fact that you're giving this guy a chance. He only had a one-game suspension that he was even going to still have to serve, even though all the new information came out. 
but you're not going to give Ray Rice a chance. Or you have Greg That's Hardy. what I'm saying. The standard, the standard was there, and they, they kind of just didn't go with it, which I think that's a blame on the league itself. You have all these double standards that you have out there, and then you go ahead and you blackball certain other players. You just can't do that. I mean, and it's just from a – number one, from a PR standpoint, okay, you want to say yeah. the PR. But just from being a, 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 a goddamn human being, okay, you don't do that to people. You don't sit there and give certain people chances, and then you decide you're going to blackball other ones and make them an example. And then you expect everyone to fall in line and still going to go out and buy your product and still, you know, uh, 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 give money to your lead. And then you come out with these right. things and you allow this guy who, who beat his wife and who's basically admitted it, and you still allow him to play this game, but you come out every October with the breast cancer awareness and you're trying to cater to the lady. What are you really saying? What is your real message if you allow those things to happen, but then, of course, on the back end, you blackball someone else? You need to be more. Well, they just need to be more consistent with what they're they're trying to do. Do we, you know what? But do we need to do we need to hold the uh, players association accountable to this stuff? Because I think that's the forefront for me. It would be the players association that needs to put something in place where it is fair for the player, you know, and, and not allow the league to make this kind of decision. I think the players need to address that themselves by saying if you're. If you're involved in a domestic violence incident, th- these are the ramifications for you. Even before the team makes their call, even before the league makes their call, I think it really needs to be the players' association that lays down the hammer on the players. And then that would make an even bigger statement to the player because the players now know their circumstances and they understand it's fair fair game for everybody. When you allow the league to do it, it's like picking and choosing, as we're talking about right here. Like we're, we're talking about with, with Cam and, and Brady as an option – you know, one gets hit, one gets called, the other one doesn't get called. So now you're allowing the league to kind of pick and choose. Well, I think the Players Association should own this because it's a big issue. Okay, so it is a big issue. And this is going to sound funny coming from me because I'm a female. Part of my issue with how the whole thing was handled, I'm, I'm, I totally agree with Troy in that I think what's happened to Ray Rice is unfair. What he did was horrendous. It was horrific. It was just hideous. The one thing that has been different, though, between Ray Rice and everyone else is that we watched him do it. In every other situation, we're hearing about it after the fact. Now, what was interesting to me about the Josh Brown situation was that not only was he physically abusive, He was mentally and emotionally abusive. That is something that no one has talked about before. We've always looked at what physical damage has been done to these women because we can see those bruises. No one has talked about the fact that about what other mental and emotional abuse happens because those are life-lasting scars that you will never see. And I found it interesting. He said, yeah, I hit her, but I mentally abused her. I talked about her. I told her she was fat. I told her she was ugly. I taunted her. I humiliated her. And to hear him say that he did those things was just kind of like, wow. But at the end of the day, we never watched it happen. 
And I think that is part of the problem with the Ray Rice situation. One, it was in your face. You couldn't hide it. You couldn't deny it. It's kind of like the difference between World War II and Vietnam. World War II was something you heard about secondhand. Vietnam was in your face every single night on the news, and you could not hide from the atrocities of war as opposed to the glorious fishermen stories that people would, could tell, you know, from afar. That's kind of the same thing. Ray Rice was in your face. You watched it happen live. Everything else is secondhand. And unfortunately, that is part of the narrative. And he was also the first that so you couldn't hide from it anymore. Yeah, but the, 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 that's the reason I'm saying that I think the Players Association needs to own this because they're the ones that need to mandate just like you have an employee, you know, we go to work and you have policies and procedures at work. I think the, the Players Association has done a disservice to the players by not being upfront with certain things. And, and since it's been a big issue, you know, domestic issue, I mean, Ray Rice was – the Ray Rice, Rice issue, to your point, yes, it was more visual. So people could literally say, oh, my God, horrific. But it doesn't change the fact that it's still domestic violence. That's what my point is. So the Players Association, I think, needs to own it. Uh, they should be the ones – if there's an infraction off the field or something that happens off the field, I personally think that they should be the ones to mandate and reprimand. They should be the ones to mandate based on, you know, uh, uh, anything to do with policing, anything to do with the facts from the police, anything to do with the reports from the police. They should make their judgment there and say, hey, you're, you're out of the league. We're kicking you out for X amount of years or you're no longer able to play in this game any longer and then take that suggestion to the NFL, then the NFL just literally stamps it and says, you're done. You know what I mean? That's yeah, what it Oscar, should be. Not, point, not allow, the, not allow the, the commissioner to make the call, and then you have a, pick, a commissioner that pickers and chooses you know, where he's going to reprimand and what he's not going to reprimand. That's in, so inconsistent. Yeah, but here's a great point you just made. When we go to work, there are employer policies and procedures. The NFL Players Association is not the employer. The NFL is. No, I understand and that part. What I'm saying is so as a representative saying, so of not, the player, they should yeah, at but, least take into consideration that the represent that's a union. That's one of my point is they're a union. Right. So the union has to have their own so rules and regulations. The, then they have to part they have to communicate with the league to mandate anything. Just like when you are we're in a union at work, so you have a union be, representative. So that, should be done, that should be done then during the CBA. Then that's what that's I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying. The CBA right. needs to be adjusted for that because it's a continuing problem. So if it's an issue, a continuing problem, then so, that way we don't have the bias. You know what I mean? You're picking, okay, Ray Rice is more horrific because it's, a, because it's visual versus jo- Josh Brown here is not visual. No, but it's still domestic violence. That's the point I'm trying to make here. It's still the same offense. There's still an offense here. Whether it's you know elevated or not, there should be a rule in place to say, you are either kicked out of the, of the league for X amount of time or you have to go through some sort of rehab uh, situation for X amount of months. You're not going to play. The, the team's going to get penalized for a certain amount. You know what I mean? There's, so, there's got to be something in place that's fair for everybody so every player understands, oh, crud, if, if this comes to light, I'm screwed, you know, so that the league doesn't have to come in with the mandate. And the Players Association understands that they're going to back the league because the rule is already in place with an agreement. So I think that's a big CBA issue that needs to be addressed. Okay, so let me ask you this question. And and hear me out. 
Um, Trent Williams is about to miss four games for violating the rules um, substance abuse policy. Now, here's the irony. It was announced that he didn't fail a drug test. The problem is he missed the drug test. Okay? But they're able to still give him that four-game suspension because they have a process in place by which they can measure whether or not someone is cheating the policy. What if someone beats their and wife I, and the whole I think, time uh, they're in the league and you never see it because she never comes forward and you never see a visit right. scar, you never see these things? How then are you going to police someone who has violated the policy if you can't if you don't have measures in place to check if the policy is being violated? I know that might be that's what I'm saying. Because you, that's what I'm saying. That's my point is that they have to put some measures in place, whether they're going by protocol uh, based on a police report or an incident report. And then at that point, they make their judgment in terms of, you know, at the, at the Players Association makes their judgment. Then they, they recommend it to the league. Then the league, based on their guidelines and mandates, would mandate some sort of suspension, some sort of uh, out of the bog, out of the league mandates. Uh, what I'm saying is we're talking about here how the domestic violence issue continues. And then like Tori's point, they're making these things out. The league's coming up with, you know, hey, we're supporting this, we're supporting that. They're doing all this stuff. But in reality, uh, they're not doing anything really concrete. The drug issue, for example, like when they fail their drug test, it's already been in place and, and agreed upon. So it's kind of like a player agreement versus the league agreement. So it's like, here you go, you fail this. This is the amount of games you're going to be out, whatever, which I think is, you know, uh, that's something that they agreed to. What I'm, point, I'm pointing out here is the fact that the domestic assault or domestic violence is, is it is going to continue. It's not going to just stop at a Ray Rice or it's going to stop at a Josh Brown. It's probably going to be a little bit more uh, coming in the future. And that, you know, some people call it road rage because they're taking certain amount of supplements or drugs or whatever. They, it, it becomes one of these things where they overpower their spouse or things happen. So now if, the players, I, can, I think the players association should take it in that consideration. And if I can, if I can paraphrase in, in, in a nutshell, the bottom line is this. If you fail the drug test, it's four games. You fail another one, it's ten. You fail another one, you're out the league for one year. There is no policy right now for domestic violence. And what it would, I think what what uh, what Oscar is saying is is that you know what we have right now is a commissioner who basically takes us as a case by case basis, and then he plays off of the public's um, uh, feelings off of it instead of okay. Listen, if exactly. you have a domestic violence issue. You know, you have to go to counseling. You're suspended for four games, and then when you come back, you know, you have to, you know, enter the commissioner to see, um, you know, what kind of progress you guys have made, whether or not you resolved it, whether or not you separated from the person or whatever. But right now, all he's doing is just winging it. He's just doing whatever okay. he wants to do. And the, pro- and the problem is point. that with the CBA, the CBA, they agreed to that. And so what the CBA, as far as what the NFLPA did was, that they, you know, it's a give and take thing. Okay, if right. we give you 62% of the pie, the revenue sharing, right. that's what the players want it. Okay, that's fine. But when it comes to discipline, Goodell was saying, I get to hand out the discipline as I see fit, and True. the players agree to it. And they should not exactly. have done that. I, now, here's, the, here's another devil's advocate. At the time of the CBA – had the Ray Rice situation occurred, because we know the CBAs are generally for three to four years. No, no, and it didn't. so 
So that's what I'm saying. That didn't they do the last CBA for the lockout prior to the Ray Rice yes. situation? So there's no way yeah. they could have even game planned for something like this. No, so but then the reality my point is, being is, that, is if it's Oh, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. I think it's smart. I agree. that you, And, and, and yeah. you and Troy are absolutely right. It's something that needs to be mitigated. Unfortunately, it's something that's not going to be able to be addressed until the next CBA. The only thing the, the, only thing the NFLPA can do at this point is just argue on behalf of the players to ensure some type of equity in the decision-making, but that's about all they can do right now. No, but the yeah. thing is, at this point, you're right. That it needs to be addressed. This is the thing is that – this is the thing, though. Domestic violence didn't start with Ray Rice, okay? This has been going on in the that's, NFL. That's my and point, too, Troy. That's my point. They've, they, they've kept a blind eye to it. And the only reason, the, because initially, remember, remember, allegedly the NFL was, was had received this tape, and I truly believe that. I truly believe that the end of, they had a receipt that somebody would say, yes, we received the tape, and they went ahead and they saw the tape, okay? So initially, Ray Rice had a two-game suspension. Why did he have a two-game suspension? It wasn't because they were sitting there saying, I think he deserves a two-game suspension. What they were saying was, is listen, we don't want to have this tape come out, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to give them basically a slap on the wrist and let's hope this blows away. And when it didn't blow away and the tape became public and it was all this outrage all about it, all of a sudden Goodell came down hard and said he was suspended indefinitely. The Ravens came down hard and said he's cut. Don't even worry about the suspension. He's done. And ever since then, they basically have been in cahoots with all the owners and saying, do not sign this guy. And the only reason that he's still not in there is because Al Davis is dead. Al Davis would have signed him. But I'm going to tell you right now, True. that's what has happened. He's been absolutely and that's wrong. And you should not that do that. Wrong. You're stopping a person from who made a mistake. And I'm not, again, I'm not advocating for what he did. Obviously, I'm not. Absolutely. But he made a mistake. And you do not get to sit there and dictate who actually right. gets more of a chance and who doesn't. And just because it was seen on tape and because you have this emotional right. tie to it where the public has seen it. Right, because Dante Stallworth killed someone. And he only missed one year. Thank you. Thank you. He, he I mean, Michael Vick killed. Michael Vick killed, killed dogs. Right. Michael Vick right. killed dogs. And they got chances. And, and, and I'm just. That's saying, what like, I'm saying. I'm, that that's why I'm saying it's so it's so ridiculous. The fact that there's nothing in place for this. We're talking about a human, you know, a, a, attacking a human we being, are. We're talking a about spouse it. or whatever. It it is just because ridiculous that we have all these other things that happen. Most because it's something that has long been considered a personal family issue. And it's excuse me, I started my sinuses. I'm trying not to sneeze. It seems like it's almost one of those. And please forgive me if I'm wrong. One of those male things of I'm not gonna tell another man what to do in his house, but I'll do my best to try to, you know, talk to you as best I can. But that's still your house. And I think that there's, you know, been that kind of thing. And not agreeing with it, I'm not justifying it because you're right. This didn't just happen overnight. And it's not just in sports. It's across the board in any field. There's some jerk who is abusing his significant other and vice versa. Let's just be honest. There's some males who are being abused by their wives because they won't hit her back. Thank goodness. So spousal abuse is wrong. And that's why I'm saying that the player, the players association needs to own this as a big focus point because they have to do that because it's only in their best interest for the player as well, because if they're representing the player, 
The reprimand should come from the union. The recommendation is my point. The recommendation, if, if, you're, if you're involved in a domestic violence, the union should have something in place that says, Mr. Goodell, he's out of here for a year. He's going to get counseling for six months or whatever. And then if he doesn't abide by this, he's out of the league, and we will agree with that. Boom. And that's final. So that means Goodell doesn't have to make the call. Goodell, Goodell only has to stamp it and say, this is your punishment, six months of, of rehab, and if you failed the rehab, then you're done, you know, based on agreement with, with the union. I think the union needs to own up for a lot of the things that the players might do or could cause something. Don't allow the, don't allow the, you know, the NFL to make the final decision, make a recommendation to make the NFL make a final decision. Um, and Kishi, I know you got to go. We've got seven minutes. So let's talk. Let's talk the, the games coming up this weekend. Uh, let's figure out who's going to be in the mix here. Uh, Raiders are really hot right now, 6-2, and two, uh, besides the record 23 penalties last week. Um, I do like Carr. I do like Cooper. And I do like the, the Crabtree combination there. Uh, the Seahawks are just uh, – they're in first place. Can you believe that, Troy? Seahawks are actually yeah. in first place. Yeah by multiple games yeah. in the loss column, yeah. and they're back in first. This lousy NFC West, this crappy coach in Los Angeles, and can you fire the guy now? Come on, fire the guy. Uh, the Niners are 52-99 and 99 since the York family took over the Niners. Okay, and I don't know what happened, I don't know what happened to Bruce Arians' team, but this, this division is just lousy. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just it's horrible. I mean, the, the Cardinals are what, like, Three, four, and one now, <laughs> with that horrible six and six overtime, you know, tie or whatever. Oh, um, and 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 the Vikings are actually coming to be to life again. Uh, Bradford, you know, they're not looking as great as they were looking prior to this. Um, and then the Falcons, you you got the Falcons at five and three. The Chiefs at five and two. Uh, Broncos D still doing their job, even with you know uh, their quarterback as it is. Um, the Patriots we talked about, top dog, and they're obviously on a bye week. So, um, I mean, let's let's go into the next week and see. So, in case you'll give you, the, I'll give you the floor before you leave here. So, the Cowboys, where are we at coming this next week? The Cowboys have Cleveland. The winless Cleveland? Cleveland Browns and Cleveland. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to say that Dallas is going to be seven and one. Uh, Cleveland's just—they—they they look hapless. I mean, they couldn't get out of their own way. They had the Jets, which is also a very terrible team. They had the Jets right where they wanted them, and they couldn't finish the job. And they came back on them. Dallas is going to be way too much for this Cleveland Browns team. It's just not even going to be close. I mean, they just—I mean, they did trade. That was awesome for them to trade for Jamie Collins, and they had to give up a third-round pick because they have plenty of picks left. But that's not going to be able to help them when you have that, that machine that's going to come down there. It's going to be – Dallas is going to win by double digits here. Uh, Keisha, are you there? I think we're having uh, the the technical Can you hear me? issues here going on. Can you guys on. hear me? Yeah, I got you. Can you guys yeah. hear me? Okay. I was, yeah, I was we got saying you. my heart hurt for Jamie Collins. I mean, talk about a trick-or-treat on Halloween. Good Lord to get sent to the Browns. That that was painful. That that was that is painful. Uh, that was that was truly painful. You go, and you go was, from seven to one to zero oh and eight just like that. Awful. Right. <laughs> yeah, that I, I would not like to be in that room because I know I would not have been a calm guy. <laughs> no. What? <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, yeah, that that would not have been a pleasant situation by any standards. Um, well, of course, you know I'm going with my Cowboys. Um, this weekend, well, I'm of course. Out, okay, so of course, but I actually, I, I I have to keep my opinion to myself on this particular game because I'm so excited. I will be at Lambeau Field this Sunday for the Green Bay Packers versus the um, Indianapolis Colts. Are you really? Also, how did you pull off? How did you pull off huh? Lambeau? How how'd you pull off getting into Lambeau? I need to know this. Do I need to start coaching cheerleaders? Also, I mean, I, I just need to get out there. How do I get into Lambeau? Field? I need to know the secrets. Stop holding out. Stop that was a good one. I love that one. That was good. Rob, sis, boom, Oh, it's called connections, Troy. She's got connections. <laughs> Just a little bit every now and then, but <laughs> no, but that. So I'm in. So I'm. I can't lie. I'm excited. I'm. I'm gonna be neutral. I'm just saying. The only thing I'm gonna say is. I'm glad I didn't go for the Cowboys Green Bay game because that would not have been a good look because I would have been decked out in my blue and silver. So I, I might um, be a cheesehead this weekend just for kicks and giggles. Um, but no, that's actually a team to talk about though because Aaron Rodgers has not looked like Aaron Rodgers lately. So I actually I really am interested to see, you know, what can he pull off because even with with a four and three record, you know, I mean, I'm just like who is this team and, and what is their new identity? So I actually am looking forward to seeing can, and what can Andrew Luck really do this weekend? Because again, I mean, Indiana, I mean, Indianapolis Colts in their third in their division and they've got Andrew Luck. They should not be number three, but they have no offense. They have no defense. So this is actually going to be a good game between two great quarterbacks. Well, I'm looking forward to Seattle and the Bills on Monday. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, that's... I really am looking for the two quarterbacks. That's going to be a pretty awesome matchup. I mean, especially when you got Tyrod Taylor back there. I mean, they they took a header, Mm -hmm. you know, this weekend at at home against New England. But, I mean, that was kind of be expected. You're not going to beat Belichick twice in one season. Uh, But to see how Buffalo has, has kind of restored themselves and then you got Seattle, who is, you know, they're kind of up and down right now. I mean, you don't really know what kind of Seattle team you're going to see, and that's basically because Russell exactly. Wilson is still hurt. So if you got mm-hmm. Russell Wilson is still hurt, and you know you got Camp Chancellor, who may or may not play this week, those are going to be some big, big shoes to fill if they can't. And I think that's part of the reason why Seattle is struggling a little bit right now. The other game I want to see, of course, is the um, Giants and um, Philly. That's going to be another game that I definitely want to see, you know, just in terms of this battle for the NFC East because I'm uh, hoping against I, – I'm hoping against hope that for the first time in years that the NFC East can put up two teams in the playoffs because we haven't done that in, what, almost five years now, Troy? Well, we've had yeah, two teams I mean, coming out of the NFC East. So I, I really, really – God, I can't believe I'm saying this. Oh, breathe. Okay, let me fan myself. I'm really hoping that this year that it's coming out, it's going to be the Cowboys and the Eagles coming out of the NFC East because I, I really want to see that uh, come out. And then the other thing I want to do is just say the Jacksonville Jaguars are who we thought they were. Now, I know you loved you some Blake Bortles, but – this team right here, 
They're, they're I'm disappointed. I'm really disappointed. No, I mean, this is vomit at its worst. Remember, that was Troy's that sleeper was, team. Remember? That was, my that was your sleeper right. team. I, I appreciate you for just throwing it out there. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, oh, hey yeah, Troy, there's no more, vodka, no more vodka for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but here's, the, now, but here's the thing. In all honesty, though, you were right to think of them as a sleeper only because they have some amazing offensive weapons on that team and all quarterback and they don't have a coach. But other than that, and they fired the offensive coach. So they're in trouble right now. They're in trouble right now. Really in trouble. Um, before you well, go, Kishi Raiders Broncos Sunday night, uh, um, mm, Oakland mm. revitalized the Denver D re, first real test for Carr, I think. Okay. Ah, uh, wow. Actually, I'm going for the Raiders. I'm going for Raider Nation and the Black Hole, and I'm going for Al Davis and just just win, baby, just win. I, All right, there you and, go. So, Troy, I'm, Troy, I'm going Denver. What are you t- taking? Um, you know what? Just but because Oakland's defense. They are they they are very good, you know. They're winning on offense, and so the the stronghold for the De- that Denver team is their defense. They're not going to be able to put up those numbers against that team. Denver has three top flight cornerbacks on that team, and they're you know with Chris Harris and you got Roby back there, and then of course um, uh, 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 Key Talib. They're not going to be able to throw the ball around the yard. Okay, they're not playing Tampa Bay this. So it is going to be in the black hole. But they don't uh, but have still to throw take... the ball around. Oh, they don't have to throw the ball around. Their... Keep this. I know. It's their M.O. Yeah, that's that's Oakland's M.O. I mean, so, I mean, cards just threw for, you know, 540 yards this past week. They haven't been running the ball at all this season. And, by the way, Denver can stop the run also. I just think Denver is way too strong on defense. And it, But if Oakland wins this, if Oakland wins this game, what a huge win for them. And just Oakland mm-hmm. teams being revitalized and seeing them back on the map, I kind of like it just to see Oakland being being a good team because this just reminds me of the, the you know the old days, man, like back in the seventies and eighties, you know those heydays when you had the Raiders and you know you had all that. Going you were on. around. I just then? think it's a good thing. Well, yeah, you that's cold. Like that's cold. I'm an eighties baby. That's uh, cold. Don't, don't make me start throwing ages out there. Okay, Troy. Okay, Troy. Uh, 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 uh. He's not vintage okay, by any means. Okay, Troy. No, uh, he's not vintage. Are you leaving us? Are you leaving us now? Are you leaving us on that sad note there? Yeah, but I'm leaving with the vintage Batman. How about that? Am I redeemed? <laughs> yeah. Have I redeemed? Have I redeemed myself, Batman? Almost. Oh God. You're still a Cowboys <laughs> fan and an Ohio State <laughs> fan, so that's not that's not. I, okay, the Ohio State fan is a technicality only because I attended the University of Akron. Okay. Then you know what? You should be an Akron Zips fan. Then that's what you should be. You should not be cheering for Ohio State. This is awful. I, I so here in all fairness, I don't. I don't cheer for Ohio State. I just don't cheer against Ohio State. Uh, there's, there's a difference. difference. <laughs> there's not a difference. to me, it's not. 
Not to me. There is a difference. I don't, there is a difference. I don't know what kind of. I don't know what kind of invisible line that you're trying to tell there, but Where, it sounds to me like okay, we're looking you know, at stale popcorn on one side of the room here, stale popcorn on the other side of the room. I don't cheer for them. I just don't cheer against them. That's all. It's very all right. Uh, you need to go take. You need to go take a nap and re, uh, You need to go take a nap. <laughs> and retire. Okay. Well, listen. I will send. I will send you all pictures from Lambeau Field. And only thing I want more than anything in this world is I just want to be close enough so that somebody can do a Lambo leap and I can smack a butt because or a helmet. Oh, that Lord. is just the ultimate. <laughs> I just I want a Lambo leap one time so I can hit somebody on the helmet. That would just be the most awesomest experience in the whole wide world. Make sure you get it on video so we can we can see the phone drop all over the and then onto the floor. No. No. <laughs> oh, come on. You guys know you want to see a Lambo leap one time in your life. I do want to see a Lambo moment. leap. All right. So we're looking forward to your Thanks. Lambo leap. And so make sure you post it on Twitter and on Facebook. That way we can actually share it. I will definitely send you guys some good pictures and good shots. All right. Well, if I, if um, my fingers so, are frozen. <laughs> Get get some rest. Um, safe travels over there, and I uh, hope you have a good time. Thanks, guys. Awesome, Sasha. And I will be back. I have truly missed you all. Good night, everybody. All right, Kishi. Um, Troy, we we have to finish up this here. Uh, the matchup of the week, is it the Niners versus the Saints? <laughs> I'm laughing. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's one of the ones that's so boring. I'm surprised. They didn't have that one on Thursday night football because it seems like, you know, recently they've been having bumps, just terrible uh, games on these Thursday night ones. But this game looks like it's going to be pretty better, you know, this one against what you got to land in Tampa Bay on Thursday. So, oh, man, I'm going to be there far away from that 49er uh, New Orleans game. All right, so Steelers-Ravens, I think I think we're looking at a good matchup here. AFC, always tough. Um, Flacco. Um, is Roethlisberger back? If, if he's not, I'm looking Baltimore to upset here or to get the win. Well, I mean, Roethlisberger has practiced for the first time this week, and it looks like they may have, they may start him this week, and that's going to be good news for Pittsburgh. Baltimore right now coming off the bye, lost four straight after starting 3-0. and uh, So they're coming right now. Uh, they're going to have to get a win. They're coming into Baltimore, but listen, when it comes to Baltimore versus Pittsburgh, you've got to throw out the records. I know that's a cliche, but it's the truth. These teams just flat out don't like each other. And I just think, you know, especially – and I believe Steve Smith is coming back this week also. This is going to be one of those games where you sit back and say, this is what football is all about. I'm hoping we get some bad weather out there, just throw, sprinkle a little salt on there, a little season it up a little bit. But I just you know, want to watch this game here, especially um, since it is one of these big rivalry games. Are we looking at a shootout between the Vikings and Lions this weekend? I mean, I, I think it's more likely that there'll be a shootout this weekend. I think it'll be a shootout because number one, Minnesota's coming back home to play, and uh, Big Bridgewater—I mean, excuse me, not Bridgewater—Sam um, uh, Bradford. Uh, he plays better at home, but man, they have looked awful. I mean, just flat out awful the past two weeks. They really don't have that many playmakers on offense. You got Diggs. And um, and that's about it, the wide receiver core. And then they're not running the ball very well. So it's going to be hard for them to move the ball. Detroit, not very good on defense, but they can, they come up with making plays. But it's going to be at Minnesota. 
So I just think Minnesota is probably going to come out with this one to see if they can right the ship. And if that defense can get back on track, it'll be a good game for Minnesota. All right. So Chargers up and down look like they don't want to win any games. They're in the mix for two and a half quarters. Then you got Mariota and the Titans who who are, you know, a, a better team. So do you think Tennessee walks into San Diego and just takes the win? You know, I'm I'm a big Philip Rivers fan, and um, I just think that that guy, man, he he's just not really getting the play around him that he deserves. Number one, because of injuries. Number two, because they're just not outfitting this guy with a lot of weapons. But he seems to make you know uh, wine out of water. And so when you got Philip Rivers back there, I just think that they still have a chance. Now, despite them playing at home, that really doesn't give them that much of an advantage. Because Tennessee is running the ball very well. Mariota's playing hard. Their defense has some players coming off the edge. Arakbo looks uh, – he looks better, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they're not doing much on defense either. So, I, bet, I just think – honestly, I think with San Diego, with Melvin Gordon, I think he gets back on track again. He had a good game last week, so that looks good for him. If they can get another game out of him, I think San Diego wins that game. All right, the class in the AFC, um, in the, uh, I'm sorry, the NFC South, it's going to be Falcons and Buccaneers. Uh, the Bucks and the Falcons, always interesting. Ryan seems to have found his groove. Julio Jones has been pretty good all season. Um, you got uh, Buccaneers pretty much riding on their quarterback right now and a little bit of their defensive help. But um, who do you see winning there for Thursday? Uh, this now, this would be your consummate shootout game because you have two great offenses out there, Matt Ryan throwing the ball around. Uh, Jameis Winston, he's not afraid to chuck it up there. They got big play wide receivers. You got Evans on Tampa Bay, and then, of course, you have Julio Jones for Atlanta. This is going to be your shootout game because neither one of these teams play defense very well, even though they have some, good, they have some pretty good athletes on both sides of the ball, both of these teams. But they just can't seem to put it together. I just think this is going to be the one where it breaks the streak of horrible Thursday games. But I think Atlanta goes ahead, go ahead and pull this one out. I just think that they have way too many weapons for Tampa Bay to keep up with. Yeah, and then um, you got Rams and Panthers. Uh, Ram deep, pretty tough. We'll see how Cam Newton gets dealt with there. Uh, the Panthers must win in Los Angeles. This is a, this is a must win for Carolina more so than the Rams. Uh, the Rams, if they want to keep pace with even being in contention in this uh, in this NFC horrible NFC West, uh, they got to you know get the win here. So is it a must win for Carolina more so than Los Angeles? I think it's a must win for both of these teams because I mean both of their divisions are are, are pretty much wide open. But I just think LA they seem to rise to the occasion when you have the bigger stars that come in. They are not afraid of the bigger, badder teams. And as a matter of fact, I just think that the way L.A. is is, is stacked on defense and also offense, I think that kind of plays into their strengths because they, their, their problem is playing against teams with a whole lot of team speed. And Carolina, I mean, of course they have Ted again, but for the most, of the most part, they're a big, strong, physical team. But I think L.A. matches up pretty well with them. I just think, honestly, L.A. pulls this one out. Carolina's not playing very well. I mean, their defense had, you know, they came back and they played uh, pretty good against an Arizona team who just cannot seem to get out of their own way, especially when they get on the road. But I just think that L.A., somehow, some way, they pull these games out. I just have a good feeling that L.A.'s going to win this game. 
All right, and then we have uh, the uh, best game in the AFC East, which is probably Jets and Dolphins. Uh, Tannehill, Jeez. you know, and and then you got – I don't know who's going to start. Is it going to be Smith or Fitzpatrick? Uh, but, you know, the, the Jets, uh, disappointing so far this season. We expected a better from them, but they're just – they haven't delivered. And Miami's always Miami. I mean, it's not like, you know, we were expecting anything big about about them. So, um, I don't know at this point. Uh, I, well, I would say I would take Miami over the Jets. Well, I mean, the Jets, you know, Fitzpatrick is going to start. Um, you know, Smith, he's now out, he's out for the season. And there's been some talk about um, uh, the kid from Baylor. Um, he may get some run out there. Uh, Bryce Petty, there was, some run, there was some talk about he might get some run out there. But I just think Fitzpatrick, he started very slow against Cleveland last week, and then he started to pick it up. So two weeks in a row. He's had a pretty good decent. He has a he has a good game overall. So I just think you know with Fitz, he he just needs to start making a little bit more plays and get the ball rolling with him. Brandon Marshall is still out there for the Jets. Miami has no one at the corner that can match up with this dude. Um, and you know with Miami, the one thing that a lot of people aren't really talking about is their running game. I mean they've had a they had their running back run for 200 yards. Uh, the past two games, and that's the first time that's been done in NFL history, I believe, with Jay Ajayi. And you know, no, he kind of came out of nowhere to to rack up this 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 um you know this running game. Now, if Miami can run the ball and have Tannehill just you know pretty much manage the game, this falls right into the hands of a Miami Dolphins team. And despite the New York Jets having that great defensive line where they have all those guys up there where you got Richardson, you got Williams, and you got Muhammad Wilkerson. They can't seem to stop the run. I, and I don't even understand how, especially when you have that much of a great coaching staff with the defense. I just think, honestly, Miami pulls this one out. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Miami will do it. Um, so, Troy, big day today. Uh, college playoff rankings came out. Some people were happy. Other people not so happy. Uh, sort of like the same thing with the polls on a week-to-week basis, but this right here is going to be one of those things. The committee ha- announced on ESPN that November 1st, I guess November 8th, November 15th, November 22nd, November 29th, and December 4th is literally, the, I guess, the progression of the rankings, if, if that's the case at this point. Um, sort of gives you a, a kind of a top 25 uh, the final selection of the 20 of uh, the 2016 uh, 16 rankings will be released on December 4th, which is Selection Day. At that time, I guess the committee will announce the playoff semifinal matchups, the New Year's Bowl pairings, and the final top 25 exclusively to the College Football Playoff Selection Day uh, on ESPN. So, I mean, what is to a new fan? Is this you know, do we neglect the polls at this point after this this week, and then we just focus on the rankings form from the actual college playoff uh, site? Actually, the way uh, the way it looks like it's going to shake out is you kind of neglect them. Um, you know, so if you are a player or you're a coach on one of these teams, these rankings don't really be much unless you were ranked a lot lower, and all of a sudden now you've vaulted up higher up than the. Uh, in the college uh, uh, playoff rankings. For instance, you have a team like Penn State who is now in the college, um, you know, football playoffs, 
and they're ranked number, you know, 12 in that aspect. But in the AP polls, they're ranked number 20. And so they vaulted all the way up to 12 because uh, on the strength that they beat on Ohio State team who was undefeated at the time. And so they're ecstatic. They're, I mean, they're just, they're, they can't wait to, you know, go out there and play another game to see if they can increase that. But at the same time, you know, if everything shakes out the way it's, the way it looks like it is going to be, they're still going to be on the outside looking in when it comes to the Big Ten championship game. The only way they can get into it is if um, is if Michigan loses to Iowa, and, and they play Iowa in two weeks, and then you have and then they also lose to Ohio State. So then at that point, the tiebreaker goes to Penn State because Penn State beat Ohio. State. So that's what they're looking forward to. Now, you know, you have situations like that, but for the most part, when it comes to like the top ten. There isn't really going to be much of a shakeup, and there are, you know, undoubtedly some surprises. Who knew that Auburn was going to be ranked number nine in the in the playoff series? Wisconsin, they have they have recovered after losing to Ohio State and losing to Michigan, which are two of the top, uh, you know, teams in the nation, and they're still ranked at number eight, so they still have an outside chance. The biggest disappointment right now will probably probably be Louisville, who was ranked number five in the polls and was in the championship series. They've dropped down to number seven after they had a pretty close call against Virginia. So you have examples like that of good, and then you have some ones that are bad also. How do we, How do you get a 5-3 a and three Florida State <laughs> to get into this playoff ranking? If you're looking at it as an average fan with a record only, you're sitting, you're going through the records. Like I was looking at it this afternoon, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. 8-0, 7-1, 6-2, 7-1, 6-2. And all of a sudden you get a 5-3. and three. What is, what? And so it's that's the thing that I think would confuse people too. It's like how do you, how does the five and three team get into the playoff mode when there's probably other six and one teams all you know in the, in the country? Well, because um, when it comes to taking a loss, there's such thing as bad losses and there's such thing as good losses. So, for instance, Florida State earlier this season they lost to Louisville. It was a huge blowout but it was very early in the season. So they lost. It was the second game of the season. At the time, Florida State, Florida State was ranked pretty high. Louisville was ranked number 10. So if you lose to a top-10 team, that's not looked upon as, as bad as if you lose to an unranked team. Now, the one big loss that they had was against uh, uh, North Carolina. North Carolina is not ranked. And they lost, you know, to a, it was a close game. It was 37-35. to 35. And then they also lost this past weekend to number three, Clemson. So they have two quote-unquote good losses, which is why they are still in the top 25 because of those good losses that they have and also keeping in mind that they had some good wins. So in the beginning of the season, they beat number 11 Mississippi, um, and then they also beat um, they beat then number 10 Miami. They beat them 20 to 19. So they have, you know, a top 11, they have two top 11 wins. So that's why they're kind of still there in the mix when it comes to the ranking portion of it. So they beat NC State. They improved their, their they improved their standing. Let's say six and three. So that's where they're going to sit now because of the fact that they're probably going to go on their sixth win at this point, right? Um, so Boise State seven and one. You talked about how it's harder for them to maintain here. They do get credit here. They do get put in the playoff in the in the uh, college football playoff. So is that like an attaboy for them? Not really. Because Boise State was expected to run the table and and win out, 
Um, and their biggest game was, I believe, was going to be against Air Force at, at the end of the season. The problem with them is that they lost to Wyoming. Now, Wyoming is not by any stretch of what you would call a very team or a highly ranked team. So that was a really, really bad loss for them because if they would have won out and then they ended up beating Air Force at the end of the season, they would have been undefeated, and they would have an argument to at least, you know, get into the to the playoffs. And that it probably wouldn't have happened, especially if you have undefeated teams. But at the least, they would have gotten a great bowl game. So now at this point, since they had that bad loss to Wyoming, even if they went out, they're probably not going to reach up to the top 10 and maybe not even to the top 15. Now you got a, a Washington State finishing up the top 25. They're 6-2. and two. They're uh, they big win against Oregon State. They go up against Arizona this coming next uh, November 5th. Um, so they they can still stay in contention at this point, right? Seven and two, they could probably move, move up a couple points in the top tw- in the probably between the twenty and the twenty five, right? Absolutely, and the, and the way that they can do that is if they went out and at the end of the year they play in the Apple Cup, that's the interstate rivalry against the University of Washington, and they also have the game before that they can get to play Colorado, who is now ranked number fifteen. So if they Get, they go ahead and go through Arizona and Cal at this point, and they end up beating Colorado and Washington. You're talking about number one, you know, probably being in the Pac-12 championship. And then if they win that Pac-12 championship game, you can also make an argument at that point with a two-loss team. So more than likely, it wouldn't happen, and they would have to have a whole lot of help to get into the playoffs. But at least they would go to a, a huge bowl, probably the Rose Bowl, if they ended up winning the Pac-12. But that Apple Cup All right, game so let's go. against Washington is the biggest game, and they play that game in Pullman. So that's going to be a big feather in their cap. So, Troy, so uh, so every fan understands, including myself, who doesn't follow college football as exclusively. So we're looking at November 1st all the way down to December 4th. So this is the, these are, this is the month that we got to pay attention to, you know, the hot matchups, who's going to lose, who's going to, who's going to drop off, Who's really so? It's kind of like, what do you call that? A pressure cooker month, basically, for everybody that's in this top twenty-five right now. Because it, I mean, the top the top ten, like you said, probably isn't going to change much. But between the ten and the twenty-fifth, there is opportunity for somebody to move up and up and down between now and then. Come selection day, does the committee at this point decide who finishes in in what position for what bowls? For the most part, I mean, but, you know, sometimes these things kind of dictate themselves where you have, you know, you, of course, look at the record, look at their strength of schedule, look at what conference they played in. Uh, So if an Alabama team, you know, goes undefeated, obviously they'd be the number one seed. They would be in the playoffs. It's not even even a question about that. But what starts to happen, what really starts to get, you know, kind of jumble things up is when you have – you may have two undefeated teams and now you have two or – or maybe four or five one-loss teams. So you you only have two slots left. How do you differentiate between who gets in? And it all boils down to who have you beaten? How you know what teams? What is the caliber of teams that you've beaten? Well, if you go back and look at the schedules, who's had the better schedule? So those are the things that kind of that kind of you know that they weigh into before you get put into the playoffs. So it's kind of crucial for some of the top ten teams to really maintain. I mean, this week you got LSU 13 taking on Alabama. Um, pretty good matchup there. We got Clemson taking on Syracuse. 
which I presume Syracuse pretty challenging, but Clemson probably will come out on top. You got Michigan. It's going to take on Maryland. Should be a, probably a win for Michigan. You got Texas A&M. Going to be taking on Mississippi State, um, and then you got Washington, eight and zero. They're going to take on California. Ohio State is uh, off a big win off against Northwestern. Um, they edged North, by four points. They edged Northwestern, so they're taking on number ten Nebraska. Um, so what's some of the games? Let's say our top three games. What are the top three games we're looking for this weekend? Well, you mentioned Ohio State Nebraska, and so that is the huge Big Ten matchup. Now, both teams are coming off some kind of sketchy weekends where Ohio State, who was highly ranked, you know, barely pulled off the win against Northwestern. And and also the week before that, they lost to Penn State. So people are wondering what is going to be the psyche of this Buckeyes team. Now, they're going to be playing in the horseshoe so in Columbus. Now, on the flip side, you have the Cornhuskers who are coming in there. They just lost an overtime game, a really tough overtime game to Wisconsin, where they look pretty formidable out there. They look pretty strong. And that same, um, you know, Wisconsin team, they gave, you know, Ohio State fits. How is How are both of these teams going to, you know, hash this thing out? I just think that the team that commits the most, I mean, that commits the most mistakes, they're going to end up losing this game. And both of those teams in the past few weeks have shown the propensity to do that. Now, they're both very strong. They're both very physical. This is one of those matchups where, you you know, you just love this Big Ten matchup. And I just think, you know, right now, Ohio State, with their coaching staff and Urban Meyer, I just think that they're going to end up getting it together. They, he has this, you know, uh, ability to, you know, get his team to focus on the task at hand. Now, on the other hand, he doesn't have as much of the talent that he's had there in the, in the past. They're very limited at wide receiver right now. They have a running back, you know, where he's basically the focus of it. So, you know, if they can take out their running game, and it's, it's pretty tough to do the way that they run their offense, I, I just think Nebraska has a chance, but I think overall Ohio State wins that game. Looking forward to the, the big weekend in college football. You can follow Troy at Troy Wilson underscore one uh, for all the, ex- the excitement this weekend. You can also follow us at Great Iron Beauties. Uh, thanks for, to Zazzle for sponsoring our show. You can go to Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. You can get your No Joke Football Project gear there. Support the project. We are still supporting the Outback uh, squad for the 2017 uh, IFAB World Championships. So you can get uh, discounts there. If there's a better code at Zazzle, use that. Otherwise, you can use our customary code, which is order ship 10. You get 10% off anything on the store at the No Joke Football Shop. Um, so thanks to Zazzle for supporting us and uh, helping us keep up the radio show going here for us. Um, Troy, so big weekend. That's going to happen. Then we got the NFL weekend. So a lot of football. And so we'll go into the women's recap here. And I can tell you right now, a lot of excitement overseas, the Rose Bowl two. It was in the Czech Republic, uh, the league that started there. It's been two years old. Last year, the Prague, um, the Prague uh, Black Cats won the championship. Uh, they, they beat the Berno uh, Amazons. There's usually only four teams that play in this, in this league and it's a brand new league, but it's very exciting to cover um, this year. Berno two and two, the um, Black Cats come in four and oh undefeated. And all, and you get the 26 to 12. The Amazons step up. They win Rose Bowl two, avenge their 2015 loss. 
Uh, hats off, like I said, to, uh, at the beginning of the hour to uh, uh, Katna from the Berno um, Amazons, as well as Helga Ballman um, as well. So um, very exciting times. Brand new league, two years old. They're excited to do this. And so um, to upset um, is always huge when you got the team that's, you know, on a two and two level and then they come to the championship because they're in second place. And then the four and O team expected to win it all. And they were looking for back-to-back championships basically at this point, but um, Amazon's just show up and they show up and they, they put on a great, uh, a great offensive uh, point there. And then also their defense holds. So they beat the uh, black cats 26 to 12. So exciting yeah, games in, in Czechoslovakia. Are you still there, Troy? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm cutting in and out. Uh, sorry about that. All right, no worries. Yeah, um, no, but it's pretty exciting. Brand new league. They're starting out, uh, so we want to give uh, them a shout-out. Um, uh, you can go to our Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties. Um, we got the story there. Uh, hats off to um, the amazing photography that's happening out there uh, in Prague. It's really amazing what they've done there um, and you can check it out on our Facebook page and you can have the link there to their two uh, fan pages as well. And you can follow them also on that. Um, so man, let's go to League great iron. Prague, Just popping up. Yeah. Everywhere. League in Prague. Prague. That's awesome. That's awesome. And there's a league yeah, in Austria. Austria. There's also Germany. There's France. There's Italy. There's the UK. Um, I, I told you at the beginning of the year, we are going global. And thanks to our network, we are global. So thanks, hats off to everybody that is helping us out to spread the word uh, that women do play American football and they're playing it uh, at a high level internationally. So congratulations to the Brno Amazons uh, who defeated the Prague Black Hats 26-12. Check out our uh, Instagram as well and also on our Facebook page. Um, so let's move on to the Queensland division in Australia. Uh, and the Jets... Uh, undefeated, eight two and eight zero and two. And guess what, Troy? We had the six six to six uh, Monday night game against Seattle versus um, the Cardinals. <laughs> and so, in week twelve of the Queensland League, we have the clash of clashes for the season. Former champs, Stingrays, our Noja Kopo supporter, Lauren Evans, taking on the Jets uh, against Christy Moran, Special K. And we have a 22-22 draw. <laughs> so oh, man. Uh, there we go. 22-22 draw. Uh, the Jets have uh, have the luxury of being in two draws this season. Uh, this is their second draw that they would be in. Uh, the last draw was against the Bayside Ravens, and there was a 36-36 draw. So very competitive. Bayside, uh, Gold Coast. I mean, they're they're playing the Jets pretty competitive. So 22-22 draw. Uh, one one week left in the uh, Queensland season. Next week, November 5th, uh, the Jets get the bye week. So at this point, they're pretty much in the playoffs, they're pretty much seeded to the playoffs, even with the tie that they got. Uh, the Bayside Ravens uh, improved their standings. Uh, they defeated the lowly Raptors 64-0. to uh, And so the Raptors... Uh, coming off a forfeited week before that, they did not play. So, um, you know, the girls trying to put up and muster some points could not do it against the Ravens. 
Ravens coming off a bye week after a uh, good win against the Spartans, 54 to six. And then you have the Spartans who uh, last week defeated the Thunder 14 to zero in week uh, in the week 11 round. They defeated the Saints, and the Saints actually ended up putting two scores. Troy, we've been following the Saints all season. They went from six to 12, and six consistently, and now they've put up another touchdown. So it gets good, both well for them. Um, and they had some injuries as well with low numbers and rosters and stuff like that. So hats off to the Brisbane Saints for still putting up some touchdowns. Uh, the Spartans are they went 32 to 12, and like I said, Spartans coming off that big win uh, last week, 14 to zero. Uh, and then they, they had a loss against the Ravens the week before that, so they, they bounced back. So next weekend, Queensland ends their season. It is the Raptors, who have not had a good season, taking on the Spartans, who are now going for win number three. Three and oh, they're trying to make it three, to three uh, games in a row. Um, so, Troy, Stingrays and Jets, probably the top teams in this league no matter what and you add the Ravens to it because everybody else is on the bottom of the barrel. So it's going to be a great finish. The Cinderella story last year, we talked about it was the Bayside Ravens, a new squad, and then coming up. But they had, you know, players from different teams uh, like the, the Rays and who are obviously a championship pedigree and some of the other players locally. So, um, so it's a three-way, three-way uh, way now at this point. So the standings at this point, we're looking at the Jets, 8-0-2. Uh, and two. Uh, They have – they have putting up about 424 against their opponent, 120, 124. So uh, they're in first place. The Rays, the champs, are 8-0-1. Um, so they're putting up 396 on the season versus 48. Stronger team uh, in Gold Coast still. Uh, they're not giving up that many points. And then the Ravens are 6-2-1. And, and then the Thunder, 4-5-0. So the top four teams make the playoffs at this point. Looks like the Thunder's going to make the playoffs. Uh, the Thunder is crucial game for them. They should be able to br- uh, beat Brisbane coming up this next week. Uh, the Ravens will have the tough test against uh, the Stingrays, the champs. Um, so it's a must-win, uh, literally for um, the Thunder. They got to win at Brisbane just to stay competitive and be in the in the round for the playoffs. Uh, Spartans winner- against the Raptors. Go ahead. Well, the winner of that Stingrays-Ravens matchup in the, in the playoffs, I mean, they should they should feel pretty, you know, confident because they both tied the Jets uh, during the season. So, you know, they're not intimidated. I mean, they score a lot of points, but at the same time, the Rays, they, they look like they can play some defense. They only allow 48 points all season long. So, I think that bodes well for both of those teams, especially with the Ravens. And they had that great season last year. So, that bodes well for their confidence as well. So, they're not intimidated at all. I think neither one of those teams are. Yeah, so we're, it's it's going to be a great uh, playoff series. After next week, we are looking at Jets, Stingrays, Ravens, and and Thunder. Uh, Thunder made up of, of some players also from the Rays and the Jets and a mix of players there. So they 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 know how to play some good ball. So um, it's going to be a great great matchup. So the the matchup next week for the schedule is uh, November fifth, and we're looking at uh, Raptors versus Spartan uh, Spartans. Must win. To finish the season strong, they would finish at four, six, and zero. So it's way more uh, reputable than anything else. Uh, the Ra- uh, Raptors and Saints. Just hate to say this, but I think Brisbane's going to go really with a donut for the whole season, and I really feel bad for them. They've been outscored uh, pretty much uh, four, four ten to thirty two. Just not good football. 
So they got a lot of work to do in uh, Brisbane to try to get up to speed and be competitive. Uh, then the Rays, uh, Bayside versus Gold Coast. And that would be the feature match of the week, this coming up week. It will be the champs taking on the Ravens, kind of a revenge game from the, from the championship last year. How fitting that it is at the end of the season, Troy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of the way it should shake out. You know, you want to see the best teams play against each other and sometimes for all the marbles at the end of the season. But, you know, when it, when, it, when the playoff starts, it's a whole different animal. It'll be be tested because if you look at the rankings, uh, it's uh, Jets second place. So uh, depending on the standings right now, um, it would be one and four. So it would be like, I believe Logan City would take on the Thunder right now and you would get a back-to-back rematch. So if this game, this this coming week, it would be Stingrays-Ravens. And guess what? The week after, <laughs> Stingrays-Ravens. But now it counts more for the final. So uh, they're going to have to face each other twice. So that right there and alone, uh, Troy, is sort of vicious football. Because, <laughs> you know, if you lose, if you're the Ravens and you lose to the Rays on the last game of the season, and all of a sudden you know you're facing them when it matters the most to go to the final, uh, I think uh, – either team's going to be up for that because it's for all the marbles to go to the final. Absolutely. All right. So um, the other thing we got to go to is Lexfa. And we haven't talked about Lexfa very much here on the show, but we are going to talk about Lexfa now. Uh, week four in Lexfa, if you follow us on Twitter, you get the updates from Lexfa at Lexfa. If you follow us on Facebook, you obviously get the, the information there as well. So uh, week, uh, it's going to be week four here. Jets 26 uh, 28 uh, lose to the um, uh, Vaqueros. Uh, so the Vaqueros, two two uh, two good competitive matches here. Two games that really matter. 28 26. In this league, they play really good ball. It's never out lopsided so much. There are some lopsided games, but for the most part, the top tier teams play very competitive ball. So um, you had v- Valkyrias 20 taking on the Angels 13. You had the Vaqueros. 20, Vaqueros of Copia, 20 against the Cardinals, 7. Uh, the Black Dolphins, 29, taking out Centurios, 6. The uh, Legionarios, uh, the Legionnaires, 28. And the Avengers, 14. The Eagles, 43. Uh, Gladiators, 8. Uh, maybe they should change their name. I don't think that's not too good of a name if you're getting bashed week after week. Um, 30, 37. <laughs> Uh, Jaguars 37 to 13 uh, with the Frailes, uh, the Harlequins, and the Niners who own basically Lexfa. So let's go back into here. Let's go into the stats for the standings. Give the standings for Lexfa right now. And this is top tier Lexfa. Lexfa FX Mexico is the two leagues that the uh, Federation of the Mexican Federation considers for their national team. So this is the, no different than Gridiron Australia than USA Football. So if the selection committee, once they decide that they're going to put a Mexico national team together, the players are literally are going to, the majority of the players are literally going to come from FX Mexico or they're going to come from Lexfa. So that's a tribute to both organizations for good caliber uh, play that they have. So the standings right now, rankings, two divisions in Lexfa, division one, which is obviously a higher tier division and division two. So we're looking at uh, the Vaqueros Cochilco, they're 3-0 right now, and they're outscoring their opponents 137-44. to Great offensive points there. And then the Niners, 
The 49ers at 3-0 and 3-0 also, 118-57. They're outscoring their opponents, really top-notch. And then the uh, Black Dolphins are 3-0 as well with the uh, games played, 104-59. So, and then the top th- three teams in Division One are really playing for, for, the, for the title here. That's the, the teams that need to be really good to stay in contention, followed by uh, the other teams are just 0-2. I mean, this is the Avengers, the Jets. And not that they're just 0-2 because they're 0-2. It's just they've just got edged by the better squads. In Division Two, the Legionarios, the Legion, uh, Legionnaires, 3-0 and in that division. The Valkyrias, 3-0 and in that division. The Vaqueras, 2-0 and in that division. The Jaguars are 2-0. and Harlequin, 2-0. and uh, Centurios, 2-0. and Just this division looks like nobody nobody wants to lose, but it's going to come down to it. Uh, we got seven weeks to play in this in this uh, league, and we're looking at coming up this next week, November 5th. Um, we're taking on uh, week five, so uh, it's going to be the fifth, sixth, uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth in November. Um, it's going to be at the Velodromo Olimpico. That's where all the action happens, and it starts real early on that in that game. So um, Harlequin versus the Jets. The Niners return off a bye week, and they take on top-ranked Vaqueros. A battle of undefeateds right now. 49ers, Vaqueros. That's the game we're going to keep uh, tabs on this coming weekend. Um, the rest of the, the rest of the games are pretty interesting, but not so interesting because uh, the Dolphins are off on a bye week and the Vaqueros also on a bye week. So the top game in Lexfa this weekend that we're going to be watching is obviously 49ers and uh, Vaqueros, which are undefeated. So really good football in this league, Troy. Um, if you if you don't follow them, you can follow them at arenafootball.com.mx, arenafootball.com.mx, and you can go to the feminine. Uh, feminine uh, tab, and you can get the stats there for that. So it's uh, week five, and we have three week, two more weeks to go after this week, and then the tournament starts for the Lexfa Championship. So um, you can follow us on Twitter, and you can check that out as well. And then on Facebook, we'll update obviously the top game, which is the 49ers versus the Vaqueros. Um, the FSX Mexico, um, that's um, the opportunity was this past weekend. Really good games as well. Let me pull it up right now, and I'll give you a rundown of FXX Mexico because they do an amazing job as well. And we got to give credit to uh, Shell. Uh, she was featured on a um, on a, a preview, and you can catch it on our Facebook page. Um, it, this league is really awesome. Um, it's really amazing uh, what she's done with the league and what she's put together. So uh, division, the scores. Give you the scores as well. This from yesterday, uh, week four. The MVPs will be posted on our Facebook page as soon as they post them. Um, so week four in division. There's three divisions in this in this league. Uh, division one and division uh, division one. They call it the extraordinary division. Then division two. They call it the fuertes, which is the fierce division. And then division three, which is the bellas, basically the beauties division. Uh, lower class, top ranked division is division one, of course. Division two and then Division Three. So anybody that finishes at the bottom of Division One is relegated to Division Two. Anybody that's top dog in Division Two gets relegated to Division uh, One. The same will go with Division Three. If they finish top notch, they are obviously uh, moved up to Division Two. So it's a kind of a, that's kind of a good structure, right, Troy? I mean, the fact that you're rewarded into the higher or the higher caliber of play to get better. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, that's a pretty decent, you know, type of tier system that they have going on there. You wonder if, you know, teams like the WFA, I mean, uh, leagues like the WFA and the, you know, IWFL would also take it, take note of that. Yeah, so Division One, 
Uh, the Vikingos, the champs, they took care of the Lobos, 55-12. to 12. Uh, the, uh, tit- the, titan- uh, the Titans uh, versus the Dolphins. Titans win big, 20-0 to zero on a shutout. The Merindians taking on the Ravens. Uh, really tight game there, 33-26. So the top dogs still, the Vikingos, very impressive wins by them. And they're still in good, in good standing there. Division two, if you go into that, the Raiders taking on Panderas. Panderas, 46-20. to 20. Panderas, a very good squad this season as well. And then you got uh, in the other game, Samores, 24-12 to 12 versus Demonias. Um, you got the Sharks, top-notch team in Division two, competing pretty much in that uh, division at this point, top dogs. Sharks, 24, taking on the Jaguars, 7. Um, you got the All-Stars by the Dragons, another good team, 20-19. to 19. Uh, Michael Burmey has been doing some of the pregame and postgame updates. So we'll have those on our Facebook page again. Again, Thank you to him for following FXF Mexico as well. So we'll have some previews there as well. So Division 3, uh, via Meet Us, uh, with our No Joke Football supporter, uh, Sarah Crispy. Uh, congratulations out there to her. Good, good team so far, but they've had some losses. So 13-12, uh, to 12, they lose to the Wildcats. Um, the Huskies get edged by the Aggies, 20-0. to zero. Uh, The Warriors lose bad to Bujos. 30 to zero. So um, you can get all the latest off of FX Mexico. You can follow them directly on their uh, Facebook page at FX Football Extremo Femenil, and you can get the latest up there. Uh, you can go to the uh, Lexfa site. Uh, the official site is arenafootball.com.mx, or you can follow them on Twitter as well at Lexfa, L-E-X-F-A. Um, so, Troy, I mean, this is uh, Mexican League, pretty exciting overseas championship. Uh, I mean, in, in swing here, Lexfoot's got three weeks to go. So does FX Mexico in Mexico. Um, the uh, offseason uh, is in WFA and IWFL. For all the latest news on the WFA, you can always go to the Twitter feed at WFA Football. Uh, on, uh, for the IWFL, you can go to at WFL on Twitter as well. You can look it up on Facebook as well, Women's Football Alliance. You can work up, look up the Independent Women's Football League. Uh, Canada offseason as well, and the Western Canadian Women's Football League at WWCFL on Twitter, uh, the Maritime in Canada as well, the MWFL Football on Twitter. So you can look up Maritime on Facebook. You can also look up uh, the Western Canadian Football League. Thanks to Dan, uh, Darren Stanky for covering that, as well as Mark, St- uh, Mark Steferi for keeping tabs with us for the networking on the Canadian scene. That's going to be exciting for the 2017. As long as IFAB gets their act together, it should be an exciting year coming up in 2017. So, um, Troy, what do you think of the international uh, growth of the sport? We've talked about it in the past. We cover WFA and IWFL so much. But, you know, you're new, to the, you're, you're new basically in this year. But now that you've dived in, and so it's like the sport is just growing. The interest from all these women to play this, uh, this sport is just tremendous. Yeah, I mean, every time I hear about, you know, uh, a different league in a, in a different country and talking about Austria and, you know, of course we had Australia that was already out there and now we have one in Prague. I mean, these leagues are popping up all over the place. I literally had no idea that you had this many ladies worldwide that are interested in playing, you know, uh, you know, the brand, this brand of football. I mean, you would think, well, most of the time you would say football and you would attribute it to soccer, but um, to play the American style of football, and you see that going globally, you start to see why that the NFL 
and you know tries to push their you know products over in in Japan and they're talking about China and of course you got the games that they play in London and they're trying you know they're kind of pushing the international interest in it and I, I literally had no idea you had this much interest especially you know since um, you know mostly where I'm at. You know, and when I started to hear about the DC Divas and things like that, I kind of heard about it in passing. And then, you know, to get exposed to it, you're just like, wow, it's really this many people that's interested in it. And, and then to watch the quality of play, I'm still amazed at it every time I see it. Yeah, and you know what? It's more amazing because you're thinking of the growth of the sport and how it's, you know, we talked about, uh, we talked about it with Cali. Remember, we talked to Cali with, with Odessa. The fact that you have the interest of some players even coming to the States to, to play in the WFA and the IWFL, the challenge now is for Lisa King and the ownerships, the franchises in the WFA, to really up their game. And we, we, we were talking about a Super League. Remember in the past, we've talked about how they would be able to put a Super League maybe on the East Coast to start, kind of like an, an, an NWF, you know, an NWHL format where they can put a, a diva, a DC diva, Pittsburgh Passion, Carolina Phoenix, uh, Chicago Force, um, you know, think a couple teams together in, in a realm of that aspect for travel purposes to cut down on the travel costs. Then you present that, you know, the sport in a better light because it's going to be buzz mode. You know, six teams, eight teams playing competitive professional women's football that would bring attention instantly. And sponsors alone, I mean. The amount of branding uh, for advertising for females is huge potential for them, even more so than male. You know what I mean? I'm talking about L'Oreal. I'm talking about heavy branded uh, brands that appeal to women would be able to drive in on board. I mean, that's the potential, I think, really for the sport. Yeah, man, and the more you see see it pushed, you know, or worldwide, I mean, just the more potential it has for that. And I think advertisers are going to start taking notice of that. I mean, you know, anytime you get a chance to push your product, I mean, especially to, you know, uh, you know, a massive audience, definitely going to be attractive to any company. And so the, the more interest that they see in it, the more, you know, open they'll be to doing those things. Yeah, so if you guys want to get a news, news buds, you got to get the latest information. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to all our network partners, to everybody that has networked with us since day one, that has entrusted us to bring you attention. Um, I've, I've had people come back to me and go, hey, you're not posting my stuff for my team. We are not a post-stuff-for-your-team site. We are an NFL-caliber type of site. When we started this, we wanted to bring attention to the women's game in an NFL-style caliber. So we are going to post breaking news. We're going to post updates with stories that matter we're going to post things for the up-and-coming girls that are obviously making an impact and making ends roads into the sport and then we're going to we're going to basically showcase the highest caliber teams in the sport whether it be overseas leagues or whether it be in the wfa the iwfl the wwcfl you got to get to that level in order for you to be recognized on our page and it people are going to go oh, well you're excluding people we're not excluding people we want to bring attention to the best squads in the nation. So, you know, the Dallas elites of the world, the DC divas of the world, the Pittsburgh passions of the world. Okay. The, the Sask- uh, Saskatchewan Valkyries of the world, the St. John storms of the world. Okay. The Bakingas in Mexico, 
the Berno Amazons overseas. Okay, so we we are a site that is going to bring attention to the sport. Uh, your your individual fan book uh, Facebook pages is where you need to drive your fan base. Okay, for us, it's more of that aspect of it. You know, uh, the the individual NFL teams, as an example, that they don't get promoted on their tryouts at the NFL official site. That's on their individual sites and doing that. And that's the same thing that's true of us. So we're going to bring attention to the sport in a high-caliber professional level with top-notch stories. We network with a lot of great people. You know, great uh, G.I. Quindum does amazing stories on young girls as well as up-and-coming stars. We share with them as well. We have, uh, you know, we network with Miss, Miss Gridiron. We've networked with uh, a women's football talk. We've networked with a lot of talented sites that bring attention to the sport, and that's where we feed off of it. So I appreciate everybody coming to our Facebook page. Please share our page, spread the word, and let everybody know uh, what we're all about. And I really appreciate everybody that's participated with us for a long time and all those that have come with the journey. I really thank you from the bottom of my heart, as well as making us number one on Twitter, Troy. Number one on Twitter. Um, I got a notice uh, last week uh, they're reviewing – the Twitter feed to be, to give us a blue mark. So hopefully uh, at some point here, we will be legit because the blue mark considers yourself legit. And I'm so proud. We put it in for a couple months ago. They're still reviewing it. Hopefully down the road here, they will give us the legit tab. Um, and that will be the little blue mark on her. So that would be the proudest moment for me so far in terms of the, of the brand itself. So um, I don't know, Troy, pretty exciting times. Oh, absolutely, man. Anytime you get to be numero uno at the top dog, you know, you, you definitely want to celebrate that, man. I mean, so, and again, thank you for everybody out there who helped us and participated and in, in coming on and, and retweeting and, and tweeting us and getting involved in everything that we have going on, and we definitely appreciate it. So just, you know, if you guys might just get it on the ground floor. This is the ground floor right here. This is where it's going to all start. You know, just jump in with us, man. So we definitely appreciate the love. All right. Uh, before I leave here, because we got a couple minutes, I really want to thank Block Talk Radio. Uh, they've been awesome with me for almost four and a half years. Block Talk Radio cannot be more pleased with them. Um, they have stuck with us, and they continue to give us the platform. UltimateSportsTalk.com for facilitating and sharing our podcast every week. We've got a, a better growing audience going there. Zazzle.com. I cannot be more Appreciative to Zazzle.com. Give us the platform for the apparel. Give us a platform for international exposure as well as the shop itself. And then I want to thank everybody that's participated with us up to this point, all our network partners overseas, and uh, Eric Lynn Anderson, um, Eric Brown, um, as well as Nkishi, yourself, Troy. Uh, big team, awesome team in the last uh, you know time that we've been on the radio. So I, can be, I can't be more than appreciative for that. Going forward, you know, uh, hopefully we make ends road on a financial status. Uh, but at this point, it's still just a hobby, as they say, and we're making ends road for the sport. Um, so check out our Facebook page for all the latest updates, breaking news on a weekly basis, including the updates for Lexfa, FX Mexico, as well as the uh, anything updated that comes up through the WFA, IWFL. Thank you to Michael Burmey as well and Neil, Neil Rosenthal, who's also contributed to us as well. Um, so there's a lot of people that that I can name out, but everybody, I really appreciate that. And then there's a, a, an exciting uh, post that we just uh, draw back today 
uh, there's the Black Mambas, uh, was just created in Morocco, of all places, Troy. So there's there's a wow. Women's American Football League in Morocco that's going to kick off, and their first, team, their first team is the Black Mambas. So uh, congratulations to them. Hopefully they will go turn into what the Czech League has turned into and what the Austrians have turned into and what all the other overseas clubs have done. So congratulations to them. And the feature is on our Facebook page. You'll probably have to use Google Translate because I believe it's in French, if I'm correct. So you'll have to kind of do the Google Translate on that. Um, Troy, anything else before we get out of here? We just got a couple minutes here. Yeah, um, last week I, you know, told you guys that uh, Alabama and, and uh, LSU was playing last week. I was wrong. It was this week. They were, you know, Alabama was on a bye. So look forward to watching that game. Uh, it's going to be number 13 against number one Alabama. It's going to be in Baton Rouge. Anytime you get a chance to look at Death Valley at 8 o'clock at night on a Saturday night, you're talking about the party of all parties. That crowd is going to be live. Do not miss it. It's going to be on CBS. Watch that game, y'all. Yeah, and we kind of remind everybody uh, next week, uh, don't forget, national election. Make sure you go out and vote. No matter who you vote for, just get out and vote. That's your right. And if you don't know how to vote, find somebody to show you how to vote. But whoever you choose (laughs) as your candidate for this election, just make sure you show up and vote. You know, that's your right. And if you don't go vote, then you're just throwing away your right. So there's no need to gripe if you don't go vote. You know what I mean? You can gripe all year, you want whatever you want. But no matter who you're supporting or who you're uh, for at this point, it's just a matter of going out and uh, exercise your vote. So I think our, our show is on, is it the 8th on Tuesday, Troy? Or is it uh, yes. Monday? Uh, our show's on Tuesday, Tuesday, right? Yeah. All right. So um, I'm going to go out and vote right before the show. We come onto the show, of course. Um, and normally, you know, that I would suggest everybody does it. It's a big deal. It's uh, something, uh, you know, to do with our country, and we got to make sure that we do the right thing. So catch you here next week on the Great Iron Blitz with Troy Wilson and uh, welcoming back in Kishi Free, so she'll be here next week as well. So uh, thanks for uh, supporting us. Catch you here next week on the uh, Great Iron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Have a great night, everybody. See you guys. <laughs>